Good morning, everyone. What a gift to be here in person with all of you. Between that and this fall weather, I love fall. Um, these are two gifts that I'm just celebrating this morning. As we begin this morning, I want to start off with a question. Where do you do your best learning? I know that online, if any of you are parenting students that, or on school online, that this is maybe not the greatest season to be studying and where all of your classes are through Zoom. Right? But in our world, we have some amazing universities and labs and all kinds of experiences that have been customized and crafted so carefully so that we can learn in an ideal environment. But at some point, no matter where we go to school or what kind of professor we've had, there comes a time when that learning sinks in way more deeper when the rubber hits the road and you get out and you meet the school of life. Somehow, you know, that learning sinks in much more deeper. And as a kid, you know, I grew up in Sunday school, and so I learned and I love singing songs about God's trust, um, his trustworthiness, how good he is, how faithful he is. And as I got older and I went to seminary again, I found myself studying this amazing truth in the scripture. God is steadfast in his faithfulness. And then came a season where I came to learn this on a whole nother level. I had been working for seven years full-time in a church as a pastor, working first with adults for a number of years, and then I had shifted to working with children. And, you know, things were going really well. Life was full. I was meeting with people. We were seeing kids really grow in their love for Jesus in a real and deep way. And it was exciting. It was fun. On top of all of that, I was in the best health I've ever been. You know, I was eating well, you know, I was eating the rainbow or whatever that's called. Um, I was running. Helen and running are antonyms. They are not synonyms. <laughs> but in that moment, and that part of my life, they were synonyms. Helen is working out regularly. She is running. And I was just feeling really good. Life was full, but it was really good. And so I went away, you know, as I periodically did at that time, on a personal retreat to a house that our church had that we could borrow time to time as staff. And as I was, I was driving on my way to that retreat house, I suddenly had a deep stomach pain that just started to pierce my side. And I, it was not normal. I, hadn't, I had had like inklings of it before, but not really in the same way. And that began a season that took about over a year of discovering that I had a cyst that needed to be removed. And it started this period of time that really taught me something different. That the trust of, trustworthiness of God, what that really means. I entered a season of having to go through numerous, in my, it felt like, um, invasive pre-surgery examinations, only to find out that I couldn't do a laparoscopic surgery, so it had to be an open surgery, which then meant suddenly, at the time when my life was so full and I was really loving you know, being at church with these kids, then suddenly I had to be on bed rest and just knocked out and not able to work for a month. And being uninsured at the time, for reasons I won't go into, um, I was hit with a hospital bill that left me stunned and then just brought me to tears. Like, how in the world was I going to pay this? It really looked impossible. And then through that, I just entered a whole new season of just learning, what does it mean to trust God? 
What does it mean? Is God truly good? Can he really bring me through this? Have you ever entered a season where things turned out not the way that you expected? Where things didn't go the way that you planned or even hoped? What was that time? Or maybe you're even in it right now. This living in this pandemic. Look at us in this room, right? Online, you're living life the same way with these masks on. We're together and we celebrate this change that we can be together. But we're living in a limited way. And so perhaps it's that time. Or as we look around us, all the political unrest, the tensions that we're just seeing and bombarded by, that some of us, you know, really our bodies even feel the tension that we are living in, the racial injustice that we are seeing, the types of responses that we are reading about or just seeing on our social media. There is so much that we are sort of in the in-between of, this is not what I had hoped for. This is not the way I was hoping things would be this year. I've talked to many people who had so many plans for this year, and so many things had to change. So in light of that, I am so thankful that in Scripture, there are powerful testimonies of God moving, right? He, burning bush, God shows up in a burning bush. God multiplies a boy's lunch. But at the same time, all throughout Scripture, I am so thankful that there is wilderness. There are stories of wilderness, of longing, of pain, of waiting, of this things not working out quite so well, of ordinary things. And yet, somehow, God is in all of it. In the verses we're going to look at today, right before the verses, we see that Jesus came out of the water. He was just baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And he has this momentous baptism experience. Nothing like mine. I don't know about yours. But for me, mine was nothing like this. Jesus comes out of the water. And then the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove. And then the voice of God booms out saying, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. What would it have been like to be Jesus in that moment? I imagine he felt just saturated with the love of God, surrounded by God's presence, truly experiencing the love and favor of God. And then come the verses we're going to look at today. And it says this in Luke 4, 1 and 2, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. After hearing that amazing affirmation, Jesus was led into the wilderness. Let's pause for a moment on that and open up in prayer. Father, it's remarkable that right after your affirmation of your son, you led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. God, um, as we come to you online or in this room, we are all in very different spaces. And some of us, we may be experiencing this wilderness. Uh, maybe it was extended wilderness, or maybe we we're just entering it. But wherever we are, God, we know that you are with us. And so today, as we look at your word, 
Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to see you in a fresh new way and encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see in these verses that Jesus, right after the affirmation of God, is led into a wilderness. And what is a wilderness? The wilderness is a barren place. When we look around, there's nothing there. Right? We, don't, we can't see much movement. There's nobody else there. There's just sheer silence. In this wilderness, there is a time of living with limits, hardship, without previously known comforts. It's a sense of feeling in the middle of nowhere, waiting and being in between. And Jesus is led immediately into this wilderness after his baptism. And for some of us, if you are in this wilderness period, I want to encourage you with the thought that, one, it doesn't mean that because you're in a wilderness does not mean that you are in the disfavor of God or that he has abandoned you. God did not withhold the wilderness from his own beloved son. And there's something about this wilderness as we look at these verses that must be important. Jesus, right after he's baptized, he's not sent out immediately to do, go out in the public square, but he's sent into a wilderness. There's something in that in-between space of being affirmed, and then there's this ministry that is going to lie ahead of him. That in-between space of the wilderness is transitional, and we could call it liminal. Liminal is a word that comes from the Latin word limen, which means threshold. Picture a doorway, and you're standing right on that doorway. You're not in the room behind you. You're not quite in the room ahead of you. You're just in that in-between space, that doorway. Or if you're in the subway, you're in that long hallway between where you were and where you like to go, but you're not quite there, and you're just in this space. It's not a fun space. There's not much happening there the way that perhaps we would like. And so this liminal space can be many things. Pregnancy introduces a woman into liminal space. She's in the threshold of becoming a mother, and she started the journey, but she has still not yet experienced a full experience of all the diapering, all of the, you know, the crying and late night feeding, and all of the discipline that's going to come. She's in that liminal in-between space. If you're looking for work, and you're looking for that next job, that's in between liminal space. Some of us in our cultural identity, we're continually in liminal space. As a Korean American, I am, I, I totally identify with Korean things. There's much about the Korean culture that I resonate with. And yet, I'm not only Korean. I was born here. I was, this is my home. New York is my home my whole life. And so I'm an American. I identify with that. And yet, I'm not just American. So I'm always in this in-between of, I resonate, I resonate. <laughs> just sort of wavering in-between. And all of us, right, we're living in this pandemic. We are in liminal space. We remember life as it was before. And we're not quite sure what life will look like after this pandemic. It may be a little bit different. But right now, we're just waiting for that next time. So we're in that in-between space. As one Bible professor put it, few people enjoy liminality. I don't know if anyone here loves that in-between. We have an inborn desire to seek order and belonging and predictability. We would love to know what's coming up next. We would love to know how this is going to work out. 
Well, the wilderness was not unique to Jesus. And that's an encouragement, that it wasn't because he's the son of God, he has a wilderness experience. All throughout scripture, God's people experience wilderness again and again. And if we look at the life of Abraham, he was 75 years old when God called him unto an adventure. You know, I'm going to make you a great nation. Follow me. No plan was given, no directions, no step-by-step of what's to come. And Abraham said, yes, he must have been one of those early adopters. And he steps out into this journey of God promising to make him a great nation. And the months go by. He's 75. <laughs> the year goes by. Still no child. He's going to be a great nation. He's now 76. You know, the decade goes by. And it's not till he's 100 that he sees God provide his son Isaac. Liminal space. Joseph has visions that God has given him that he's going to be raised up in a special way. But shortly after he has those, what happens? His brothers sell him into slavery. And that favored space that he had, he no longer has. He's now in a place that he's unknown. Nobody knows his name. He's just a slave. Liminal space. Moses took matters in his hand. He really wanted to create change. Stepped out. Things didn't go as planned on behalf of the Israelites. And so he runs in fear. And he enters a desert where he's trying to, he just ends up living in this desert away from where he wanted to be and where he wanted to make change because he's now afraid. He doesn't feel like he's cut out for that. He's afraid for his life. He's in that in-between liminal space. The Israelites, even after they left Egypt, they entered a literal wilderness. Everything around them was wilderness. And they experienced hunger and thirst. They were rescued out from slavery and into a long 40-year period of experiencing hunger and thirst. That's liminal space. And then Naomi, if we look at her life, she had two sons, two daughters-in-law. Life was full. But then a famine came. And then with the famine as they left, more came that became a deeper famine in her own life. Her two sons died. She was without her sons. She had no way of providing for her daughters-in-law. And pretty much her future looked very bleak as she would have to send her daughters-in-law away. She was in that in-between of, I, this is not what I expected it to be. I know where I was. I don't know what lies ahead, but I'm in that in-between hard waiting space. The wilderness is not unique to Jesus. And God uses this wilderness space as a classroom to draw out something in each of these people and in each of us to form something in us that can only be found in this middle of nowhere space. So if we take those examples, Abraham, in those, that waiting period of 25 years, waiting for God to keep his promise, he discovered trust. right? Because in that 25 waiting period, he sometimes took matters in his own hands like, hmm, maybe the promise of God is not meant to be fulfilled in the normal biological sense. Maybe I need to help make this happen, right? And he steps into different mistakes, and along that way, he grows in that journey of, oh, wait, no, God really wants to give me a biological son? Keep his promise? I am now 88. You know, my wife is getting older. 
And as he's going through that liminal space, God is in it with him, teaching him, forming him in that hard space of in-between that God will keep his promises. With Joseph, Joseph learns by becoming a slave. But, you know, every time he's in, in prison or as a slave, it, the Bible says again and again that God showed his favor on him. And so he learns to know that God is with him despite what he has or doesn't have in all tiers of life. Before he was a favored son, so it was easy to feel like God is with me. But he discovers that God is with him and as a slave, God is with him in prison. And so that in-between space became a place of learning to trust God. With Moses, he had taken matters in his own hands, but then suddenly in that in-between space, before he steps into leadership, he really learns because he's away from it all and he's facing himself, his own doubts, his own limits. He learns humility. He learns humility that is going to be necessary for him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, to learn to rely on God day by day in a way that he would not have if he tried to do that, fulfill that role in other ways. And so in that in-between space, God teaches him through the provision of all of those miracles that God does, the 10 plagues, right? He learns again and again, oh, God is here. He is doing the work. I am with him. He is, I'm not leading on my own. I am leading with God. And so he's formed in that in-between liminal space. The Israelites in that wilderness, they were free, technically, because they had left Egypt, but they were not free within. They were still slaves to old attachments, old ways of thinking about themselves. And it was in that experience of hunger and dependence on God for just food, water, cravings for meat, all of the day-to-day -day ordinary things that they saw God provide again and again in the 40 years that they learn to trust God and what it means to be his people, that God really has called them to be his people. It's not just a word. And so in that liminal space, God forms their identity. And then with Naomi, she thought she, her future was bleak. There was nothing, really, when she could look at it physically. But her daughter-in-law clings to her. And so she sees that God has provided a daughter-in-law that is a foreigner, but has more trust in God than she has at that moment. And because of that, she has a friend to travel with back home. Through that, she has food provided for her to eat. And through that, her daughter-in-law becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Naomi learns in that season that God's not just looking at people with status, resources, family connections. God has his eye on the people without any of those things. And he cares very much in a very practical, real way. Naomi comes back. What, what she thought was coming back is empty. She is actually refilled again in a whole way and learns something about God and all of that. So where are you? Where in your life are you experiencing wilderness? And what may God be forming in you because he is with you in this wilderness. The wilderness is a transforming place. It reveals our attachments because we no longer have certain things. We experience hunger and thirst for the things we once had, and so we realize what it is that we long for. This in-between place changes us, but in the place of old identities, we became changed, we become changed and prepare for what is to come. 
When we look at all of the stories, running throughout all the stories is an invitation to trust. Ultimately, it's that essential invitation. When I was a kid, one of the things I loved was sugar. I've, <laughs> it was so, it's really bad. So if I could get near candy, I was always asking for candy. If there was candy in my hands, it was gone. And so I was so, um, fr- candy and I were such good friends that cavities were constantly my companion. And so every visit to the dentist involved drilling. Like, it was never just a checkup and you're out. It involved drilling every time to the point that I started dreading the dentist. I mean, it was horrifying and traumatizing when I went the first time. And so the next time after, every time I was literally dragged into the car, kicking, screaming, bawling my eyes. I was like, no, I don't want to go. It's going to be awful. You know, and I really hated the dentist to the point that today I stay away from sugar. I have no desire to go through that again. But, you know, as an adult, obviously going to a dentist is something that is required for general care of oneself. And so I go, and though I don't love going, and I have not had cavities in a long time, praise God. um, But I have learned to submit to the chair. And that when one submits to this chair, that it goes a lot more smoothly than when one fights in the chair. And that when one opens one's mouth more willingly, you know, that things go a lot more smoothly. And so I've learned to trust that though it's not pleasant, though it's not my most favorite experience, that if I just entrust myself to this dentist and he works in my mouth, that I'll come out better for it. And in the wilderness is also a similar invitation in the sense of trust. Trust is a posture that we can lean into or we can lean away from. We can fight as we go. Time is still going to tick and life is going to still move forward and the wilderness will still be there. But we could go with our heels dug in, kicking and screaming, or we can lean in and say, God, somehow you are in this. I don't know what that means, but I want to lean in and trust. And so our response matters. But I want to point out that liminal space, wilderness space is hard. And it's not automatic that just because you're a Christian and you have faith, that trust is going to just turn on for you. And that when things are hard, you will just lean in right away. Trust is a choice. And it's not automatic. It's a choice to lean in when we don't know what lies ahead, like Abraham. It's a trust to lean in when things feel uncomfortable or hard. Joseph went from favored son lost all those privileges, yet he was someone without a voice. But he leaned in. Trust is in the face of what seems impossible. Sarah said, yeah, okay, great. God's going to provide. But as she was long past childbearing years, it became increasingly like, really? Is this really going to happen? It seemed increasingly impossible But trust is a posture where we can lean in, even in the face of impossible. When speaking of the Israelites' wilderness experience, there's a quote from Old Testament professor, Dr. Carmen Joy Imes. And she says, Trust is not automatic, and God does not expect it to be. He patiently works on Israel's behalf until they can see that he is worthy of their confidence. God's guidance and protection of the Israelites cultivate their trust in him and in Moses. 
the wilderness is his classroom. He has work to do in the Israelites that can only be done in a state of dislocation in liminal space. So I ask you this morning, where are you in a state of dislocation? That perhaps you have felt like God is not really there, that God has forgotten, that God is absent. A space of where nothing is happening and it feels kind of blah. Where in your life is that? That might very well be where God is at work, his classroom. Far from being a routine kind of program, like our typical sense of classroom, of delivery of facts, learning skills, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. This kind of classroom of God is a holy invitation into relationship. It's a relational classroom of learning. And God is involved in the whole process from beginning to end. He doesn't, he's not one of those uh, parents who say, learn to swim, good luck. <laughs> There's the deep water. But he enters into the spaces with us. Doesn't mean it becomes easier because he's there, but it means that he is in it with us. So how do we trust? Here are some ways that can be very helpful into leaning into trust, if that's what we want to choose. The first one is to reflect on God's promises in Scripture. You know, when things are hard or we're feeling like life is kind of a blah, you know, in between, it can be very easy to fix our minds on looking at that and talking about that and just filling our minds with what is not right in the situation. But reflecting on God's scripture means, what does God promise to do? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So we fix our minds on what God has promised. The second thing is that we think on his character. You know, when things go wrong, I don't know about you, but my tendency is, boom, I can go to what is wrong, what needs to get better, um, where I'm limited, where others are limited. But I find that leaning into trust, what helps me lean into trusting God is to remember, okay, God is good. This does not look good. This does not feel good, but God is good. And to allow myself room and to shift, sort of like you're, you're turning a hard right or a hard left, like out of that old way of thinking of just what's not right into who God is. A third way that we can lean into trust is to voice where we are, recognizing that, you know, just because we're leaning into trust and really trying and meditating on God's truth doesn't mean that suddenly our thoughts are, praise the Lord, God is good, hallelujah. Sometimes it's still annoyance, bitterness, doubts creep up. And it's so critical at those moments to not distance ourselves from God, but to lean in and say, God, you're good. But right now, I don't feel like you're good. You know, right now, I don't know that you're going to provide and to really voice our doubts and where we are with God. That is a true relationship, not where we show up as our, you know, best self, so to speak, but as our true self. Another way we can lean into trust is to share that journey with others. 
sometimes you're just not in a space. And sometimes, especially when it's hard, we want to just get into that cave and withdraw and disconnect from people until we're in a good place. But it's often in those moments where we need to be able to say to others in the church, hey, I am really struggling in my journey. I am really struggling to have faith that God can work in this way. Um, would you just walk with me? And how amazing when you don't have faith and you have others who have faith walking beside you, that at some point you realize your feet are back. But it's so encouraging and so needed to know and hear from others and to be able to share that, to not be alone in your wilderness, but to journey through it with others. So invite someone or some people into it. And the last thing is something that is so important, that a wilderness is not often a day thing or minute moment. It is often a journey and it takes some time to go through. And so trust is something, if we're going to lean in, that we will need to choose every day to daily seek it out, to daily say, God, who are you? All right, you're good, you're faithful. To daily lean in to sharing, to daily leaning into voicing where you are with God. You know, recently, this was really brought home to me because I started doing these prayer exercises in the morning, going through the spiritual, um, the Ignatian spiritual exercises. And I'm in the week where you're meditating or reflecting on the love of God, you know, how much he cares for you in a personal way. So I'm reading very familiar passages of like Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as I was reading it, you know, I was really looking forward to this, this week because I said, wow, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to have my own personal retreat every morning and it's going to be like God's love blankets me and it's going to be a big hug every morning. Well, I was, I was reading these verses that were talking about God's love and provision. All I felt was, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. That's not true. <laughs> there was something in me that was just so, this was so dissonant for me. As I was reading, I read it again. I read it again. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just tired or sleepy. And I felt such a dissonance day after day in reading what it said and what I felt. And in examining where I was, but why, why am I reading this and just feeling flat? I realized that because of the season we're in, all the many upheavals that have been happening in these last few months within the season, there's just been so much stuff coming at me that my heart had become a bit hardened and wary of God. Like distancing, like, okay, this is really hard. So in a way of protection, kind of leaning away from God and saying, I'm not really sure you're in this. And I had to really see in myself that I have fallen into letting my feelings dictate how I thought the moment was and where God was, rather than letting the truth of who God is and scripture dictate where I was and where God was. And so I had to, it was really good because I got to repent and just be like, oh, I'm not trusting. Okay. You know, it was good to recognize there was dissonance. And so it requires us to choose trust daily. We sometimes slip into it without even realizing we're in this wilderness. But in this wilderness waiting space, there's good news. And I want to leave you with this encouragement. In the verses following this, you know, Jesus enters the desert, the wilderness, for 40 days. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days. And then as he departs this wilderness, these verses are said. 
And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus entered the wilderness, but the wilderness did not deplete him. God was in that wilderness, and it became a space of filling. See, our God is really interesting what he can do with emptiness. When we look at creation, there's this empty void that God's presence is in, and God speaks, and he fills it with creation. God is not unfamiliar with emptiness and ordinary things. He turns bread, water, ordinary things, mundane things, that sort of blah in between stuff. But he can do supernatural, remarkable things with it when we look at it. And when we look at the cross, God takes a death instrument and he uses it to bring eternal life out of it. So in your life today, where are you experiencing that emptiness, that waiting, that longing? It is not empty. God is in that space. God wants to meet you in that space. God is a professional when it comes to emptiness. And so this moment, I just want you to pause and close your eyes, and I invite you to think of where you are with God. And to recognize that God is never far away. That though he may seem absent, so though he may seem hidden, he is never absent. And to recognize that in that wilderness, God is with you. Using it as his classroom to shape and form something in you that is only possible because of this wilderness. And it will be useful as you move forward, as you move forward in that trust. Without that trust, when things come at us as we move forward in life, we're just not ready. And so God is forming you because he loves you and he wants to prepare you for all that lies ahead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are Lord of the wilderness. You're the God of power who can do remarkable things. You can divide the sea, God, calm the storm. And you are also the God who walks with us and uses wilderness liminal space and doesn't waste it. You use this seemingly empty place to form us. And so God, today, I just lift up each person in this room and on our online service. God, you see where we are. And you love us. You are in it with us. And you bring us through this wilderness because you want so much more for us. But God, we recognize that it is not hard, that there is disappointment being experienced, that there are tears being shed, God, that there are a lot of questions that we are holding. And God, I just pray that for each person, Holy Spirit, would you breathe into us faith for each new day to lean in, to trust that you are trustworthy and trust that you are at work and trust that your hiddenness does not mean that you are absent. 
And may amazing fruit be formed in us, God. May Christ-like character be formed in us. May a deeper trust be formed in us so that we can be your light in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. human family around this world uh, in this in-between space. And the most profound example of this in-between space is the cross, where Jesus hangs between this in-between space, between heaven and earth. He is hanging. And it is in this hang that God is doing some of the most, uh, actually the most important act in all of human history, rescuing the world in this in-between space. And that's why we come to the table of communion. To be reminded that it is in the in-between that God is at work most profoundly in our lives. Let's all stand together. All of you in this room should have received uh, some communion elements. And those of you at home, feel free to prepare uh, to receive as well. I want to give you about 30 seconds just to close your eyes. And think about just the moment that you find yourself in. Some of you are in an in-between space financially, in your marriage, in your health, in your psychological makeup right now. You just feel spiritually in between. Just name that for a moment. Just offer that to the Lord. And then we'll pray this prayer of confession. And then we'll receive communion together. Let's pray this prayer of confession that we always pray together. Almighty God, our heavenly father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As the people of God, let's just take the body of Christ in together.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns as the people of God freely forgiven by the mercy of Jesus. Let's all receive together. Lord, we thank you for the bread and the cup. This is the meal that sustains our souls. And when we find ourselves in an in-between space, may we come back to this table. You are the one who is steadfast. You are the one who nurtures us and nourishes us. And may this uh, communion meal Nourish us and sustain us this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service here, I want to remind you that we have our virtual lobby. So if you want to connect with any of our pastors or receive prayer, uh, we have our prayer room, our, our pr uh, virtual prayer room as well. So feel free to stop by uh, online for that. For those of us in this room, Pastor Jackie will come up in a moment to give you some instructions. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. Those of you watching online, uh, who, if you're washing dishes right now, put those dishes down. If you got uh, some breakfast in your mouth, just put the fork down and open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. It's a joy to see you all in this room. Uh, a joy to worship with the people of God inside this room. And so uh, next week we'll continue as well. On Tuesday, a link will go out on email and on social media uh, for you to register if you'd like to join us. Uh, so feel free to register and just look out for that link. That's the only way you'll be able to join us in this season by pre-registering for that service. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that God is with you. In your in-between moments, God is with you. In the darkness, God is with you. When you cannot hear God's voice, God is with you. When no one seems to support you, God is with you with you. May you walk out of this building knowing that God is with you. And may you encounter the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in fresh ways this week. I bless you all today, watching online and in this room, in the strong, in the beautiful, in the very present name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you watching. Grace and peace to all of you in this room. Have a seat for a moment and Pastor Jackie will give you some next steps.